0: What is going on? Happy Wednesday, everybody. Adam Lefko here with Crossing Broadcast. I got Kyle at Crossing Broad. I got Russ at Joy On Broad and I am at Adam Lefko. And uh Russ just threw in the slack chain a tweet from Mark Spears of ESPN today, two hours ago, we're recording around six. He did it around four, saying Joel Embiid expects to be ready for training camp and is doing non-contact drills but he has been yet to be cleared to play 5 on 5. Uh wait, what? Russ I agree you just said this before we started. I, I didn't
1: even know this was an issue. Yeah, this is this is really alarming to me. It's the, they're usually supposed to be a 6 week injury from the time of surgery, which I think we've we've gone well past. And I I hate to say it, but this is this is Julia Locafor again. The the idea that we've been told that an injury is supposed to take a certain period of time, even on like the long end of things. I don't think it's supposed to go longer than two months. And the fact that he is not clear for contact freaks me out at least a little bit. So now the question is, is it the Sixers medical staff that's not clearing him, or is it like his independent doctors? Because I don't blame him if, if he doesn't want to trust the medical staff and he's going to have his own professionals clear him. It's at least somewhat alarming to me you know, right now, maybe it'll be nothing, but to be sitting here in August and, and see that he can't do any kind of five on five contact drill, you know, gives me a little bit of, of pause. I suspect that first of all, the Sixers,
2: good morning. Um, I would suspect that this is mostly a nothing burger, nothing burger. I don't give the Sixers or Embiid any benefit of the doubt when it, comes to his health so i'll couch this in saying that this isn't welcome news but i would would not be surprised if this was nothing more than a formality and a the sixers doctors haven't given him the final okay to play five on five because there's no reason to because they're being overly cautious as they are with most things in bead And he's going back to, I think he's in Africa now. I saw it on his Instagram for the Goodwill Tour. And the plan is probably when he comes back to give him the final clearance to play five on five. So I don't know if there's something here or if it's just the Sixers being overly cautious as usual and figuring we're we're just not going to let Embiid play five on five until the absolute latest minute because he doesn't need to. Uh, He he seems to be moving fine in everything else he's doing. So I'm not terribly concerned about this, but... Maybe it's just a reason for pause, but it does seem like a little bit of a headline-getting sort of thing. Also, Mark Spears is now with the Undefeated. Uh, I'm not sure why he still has ESPN in his handle. Maybe I'm
1: missing something here. So, undefeated
0: is run by ESPN.
1: Yeah. Ah. Yep, yep. Um, so this is just to, so we're, I guess, factually accurate here. So March 24th is when he had his minor arthroscopic surgery. Um, and they said that he would be able to resume basketball activities, uh, weight-bearing stuff, two weeks from that point. But it's now been over four months since he well, had he's surgery. Whoa, whoa,
2: whoa. He is doing basketball no, no, activities. No,
1: uh, no, I get Well, obviously. But I'm saying it's it's been four months.
0: Yeah. All right. So we'll wait and uh, yeah. see. I think now's a good time to take a moment of silence for Embiid's entire body. Perfect. Uh, I also know that Well-timed. he was— yeah, it was perfect. Uh, I know that he was on a trip recently, and we always talk about him going to Africa. Um, we have an iTunes five-star review, Philly Connection from Philly Payne UAE, uh, that I thought will brighten your guys' mornings. Uh, I have a one-hour drive home each night from Abu Dhabi to Dubai, and you Word. guys make it an easy commute. It is <laughs> wow. kit. I didn't even know that Abu Dhabi to Dubai uh, was an hour. Uh, It is my connection back home while I am on this stinking project. You have just the right mix, and like most Philly fans, you refuse to tow the homer line. I am looking forward to listening when the real sports season starts in the fall. Keep up the good work. I have six more months here. I need your insights to keep me connected. Well, Philly Payne UAE, Uh, when you do get back home, you will see the Sixers in a new jersey and those kind of were featured yesterday on a bunch of social media from the Sixers accounts and Markel Fultz. Uh, I saw zero complaints about the jerseys, except some people don't like the red drop shadow. But overall, were you guys fans of the new jerseys? By the way, we're also going to get into the Pete Rose allegations, some some Eagles stuff, some Flyers stuff that's just previewing ahead. But Sixers jerseys, were you guys fans?
2: Um I have a few, few bullet points on the jerseys. One is they were supposed to release, so there's going to be four jerseys this year, home and away. Nike has rebranded home and away to be called icon and association. Apparently, one each team will get to pick one that they wear at home. Doesn't matter which one. I have a feeling the Sixers are going to pick blue. They've decided that blue is their corporate identity color. They're trying to get away from red. That said, Jersey 3 will most likely be red, similar to the alternates last year. They were supposed to release—they sent out a press release yesterday saying they would unveil the third the third of the four jerseys in a video some point later yesterday. To my, as best of my knowledge, that has not yet happened. I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah, I, have I been saw told your tweet. It,
0: you were like, there are more videos coming. Yes.
2: It was it was straight from a press release. It wasn't even like some thing. They, they, they sent— Send something out. Um, so I don't know what happened there. Maybe I misread it, but I wasn't the only one who tweeted that either. Um, I've been told the fourth jersey is going to be a really cool, really something different and will probably come with a, another alternate court like they had for Saturdays last year, which is cool. As far as the new jerseys go, I, I mean, they look almost identical to the last refresh. They added the drop shadow. But there's two things... I don't know maybe maybe your followers adam don't have the discerning palette but i definitely saw some complaints one was the drop shadow which people thought looked 90s-ish and got away from that flat design trend that that everyone has embraced i actually don't think it looks 90s-ish at all it has a bit of a weird 3d effect which is kind of uber modern i don't hate that someone complained that the stitching going up the side panel where if you look it's gonna be hard to describe but where the stars come up and the, then the banding goes around the open armhole. It used to be that the banding on the open armhole was a full circle, and the panel stitching stopped at the full circle. Now the panel stitching breaks up that circle. Someone didn't like that. Uh, the other thing is, if you look at the back of it, I don't know if it was just the way Foltz was wearing the jersey, but the stitching on like the down part of the two shoulders, like the, you know, that would be coming down the two shoulder blades, isn't continuous and it stops and it's like it goes into the jersey and part of the armholes in the back are just blue like the piping is kind of cut off without forming a full complete circle which is a weird effect and i don't think it was just the way fultz is wearing the jersey if you look at the videos so those are my thoughts but i like them i think the Sixers branding and jerseys are awesome right now and
1: fashionista russ (laughs) that was that was a lot man hey i told it you gotta be detailed so the thing that I'm I'm still trying to understand I was I was reading the uh, the Nike release and they were saying that yeah everybody gets four versions and then along with those four uniform editions eight teams get a classic so does that mean the Sixers are gonna have five different jerseys this year mm-hmm. if so I'm excited um, the the drop shadow that people are so upset with the first thing that came to mind was the um, when Grant Hill played for the the Pistons the mm-hmm. um, uh, mm-hmm. There was like that kind of drop shadowish sort of thing. They're, I'm looking at that jersey right now. Uh, I don't know remember what year it was from, but the one where they had like the horse in the background. Um, I like them. The only thing that I, I want to see is what they look like on on the court from you know like from a basic camera angle because when you stare at them straight on, I do think it's a nice addition to to be out of that full flat where it looks like they're super, super old-fashioned. But the first thing that happened when I looked at it was my eyes just kind of crossed. I, I don't know why. It it was a little bit... um, I guess my eyes just aren't used to seeing that kind of a, a drop shadow 3D-ish effect. I think they'll probably look really nice in motion with... Uh, you know, our budding 2021 NBA champion, Philadelphia 76ers. Very excited for that.
0: I think I've learned in my life that um, there are certain things that I can have, I can review and certain things that I just can't do. And one of them is jerseys. Like I've never been able, like, I'll be like, oh, everyone's going to think this stinks. And then it's like the most loved Jersey of all time. So I just stand down on all Jersey discussions um, like I saw a question on CSN yesterday that was which sports team in Philly has the best Jersey. And I don't know, like, I'm not good. Like I, like, I like maroon Phillies and I like, you know, black Sixers, but like, I don't know man. like, I'm so bad at this. Like hearing Kyle break down the stitching, I was just like, man, I have, I didn't notice any of this. Like, I don't, I don't really care. It's weird.
2: Well, it's funny. I've, uh, I, I used to kind of be in your camp and not great at it. And a guy who, a good friend of mine, fashion editor, Dan, who, uh, he's an engineer. He helps me with some tech stuff for the site. We've done a podcast together before, but he's also our sartir, Sartorial expert. He does our uniform reviews. Uh, I'm going to see if he wants to chime in on the Sixers jerseys. I don't know if there's enough there because they're almost identical, but he has taught me well to point out those little, uh, subtleties. He is a big uni watch guy, and he is, uh always critiqued jerseys for the site. So I, I've picked up a lot of my skills in that last rant from him. But I think the all four of the local teams, the, the Eagles jerseys are wearing thin, and everyone wants Kelly Green. And uh, the best we're going to get in anything in the near term is an alternate. Uh, Lori is very much in love, and his whole the whole link is branded in Midnight Green. So I don't think we're ever going to see a wholesale change there. But other than them, I think... There was a time a couple of years ago the Flyers had the number one ranked jersey in sports on one of those random ranking polls, which admittedly is hardly definitive.
0: That was the answer that I came up with, and like, I I was like, yeah, I was like, I think the Flyers are perfect.
2: Those are great. The Phillies, the current Phillies look came out in nineteen ninety two, and it has actually stood the test of time pretty well. I, I always liked the. The cream uh, day jerseys, they kind of brought back, I guess, in 08 was the first year they wore them. Um, I've always enjoyed those. I don't love the red batting practice day jerseys, but I've been fully converted lately to most sports have so many games a year, have some fun with the jerseys, have five or six different selections, have a new jersey every month. But I think each of the three teams are really, uh, besides the Eagles, are, are pretty darn good. And I think the Sixers right now their branding game seriously is on point like the court they're what they're doing with the courts the lighting the logo the jerseys i just think they have a really good uh end-to-end concept yeah
0: Agreed. the nba i think they all stole from each other i feel like ever since mm-hmm. mark cuban came in everyone's like promotions and marketing has gotten better and the NBA as a whole is just the best marketed, produced uh, sport there is. Russ, did you have something to say before I move Phillies?
1: The only the only jersey that I think I miss outside of Kelly Green is I really liked when the uh, the Flyers had the black. They had the, the black jersey, I think, when even when Forsberg was in town. I'd like to see them as an alternate. I, I like the fact that... Are you sure you weren't watching the Phantoms? Stop it. So, the... Uh, <laughs> The only thing is, like, I, knows who I, I, would, is. I would, I would, stop. I'd really like to, uh, to see them kind of do a, a revamp. Uh, here we go. Bundy. So, um, all right, fine. Uh, I, I just, I, I just won't, I won't, I won't. Keep, no, finish I, I do, go ahead. I really do, I, I kind of do wish that the Flyers would go back and kind of do, like, a, an updated version of the, the black jersey. I just thought it was a, it was a good look. Um, and I, I think they, I, they I don't might. Know. I think I I could be wrong here,
2: but I think I remember seeing something where they're gonna have another alternate this year. I could be wrong. I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring back black. That was very much a '90s thing. Every team, and the Flyers did it well. But I mean, every team in the '90s had some sort of a some sort of a black jersey. Um, Real quick, Adam, you mentioned that you think the NBA teams are marketed the best. I agree, and I think a good example, just the way kind of the basketball culture is compared to the baseball culture look how much attention things like the big three have gotten. Now, granted, it kind of stinks as a product, but most people know what it is and are talking about it, and I wouldn't be surprised if the recent Iverson thing, here's a transition for you, was totally intentional just to get publicity. Again, I don't know. But I I get tweets the other night from people, and on ESPN2, Roy Halladay is pitching on a team with Dan Ugla, and you had some legitimate guys, some legitimate talented all-star caliber baseball players a couple of years removed from their career playing in a baseball game in wichita kansas and no one knew it was going on like not a soul and people are like this is awesome roy halliday's carving up college kids with 78 mile an hour heaters and he's 40 pounds overweight no one knew this was happening, and yet the big three is like a national topic of conversation. Yeah, the difference well, the, between the, the marketing three, is nuts. Well,
0: the, well that, I don't think that's marketing. I think that's the big three has Ice Cube running it, who has a deal with a major network in Fox Sports 1. This that was, was on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It sounds random. Uh, it, it was it, super
2: random. It, it was, was super really cool strange. to
0: see Roy Halliday fanning kids, though. That was great. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's go let's get to the Alan Iverson statement. Uh, Russ, you were up at arms about multiple aspects of this when we were texting each other. Uh, and you were like, see, I told you to'd be at a casino and there are reports that he was in an Illinois casino. Uh, Kyle, your favorite part of the apology is oh. the way it was uh, formatted.
2: I am a I'm a big fan of the screen notes screenshot uh apologies instagram messages i i i'm a big fan of this trend in sports i th- first of all because i think it pisses off beat writers that is this easy for people to get out their message and they are cut out of the circle but iverson did this isn't like a note screenshot or one of those fancy like ig word picks pretty much it looks like someone wrote it up in word for him and they just screen capped it the best part of it it's center justified it re it's like a haiku it looks like a haiku <laughs> from a distance i didn't even read the words i was just like i don't so want poem let me from AI. let me
0: read let me read alan iverson's statement as please do so in i am can you, you, yeah, yeah thank yeah, you go ahead. first and foremost i apologize to ice cube and my big three family my fans and everyone disappointed to my absence in dallas this past weekend I have spoken with Ice Cube directly regarding the details of my absence. I will do my best to make up for this moving forward on the Big 3 tour.
2: That was uh
0: I kind of want to hear you read statement. excerpts
2: from 50 Shades of Grey now.
0: That why would you that's so weird Kyle. You always <laughs> think of really? this weird sex place. Uh the Iverson it just sounded thing, nice. My favorite part is when I thought. So it says I have spoken with Ice Cube directly. How do you guys think that conversation
2: went? Not yo well. Dog. Yeah. If it didn't start with a yo dog, I'm I'm gonna be shocked. And
0: Ice but. Cube just responded with yay yay after every <laughs> single one. No. So Iverson. So Iverson was like, "Listen, I'm sorry." And then Ice Cube went, "What the fuck?" And then Iverson went. My bad. And Ice Cube went, no. Like, really, what happened? And then Iverson was like, yo, man, I just caught, caught up in some stuff. And then Ice Cube was like, yo, we had a game. You're the number one person. You're the only reason I did this. And Iverson's like, my bad. And then, I think Pat
2: Croce had to mediate. So, stop.
1: <laughs> so to add a little bit of context to this, so TMZ Sports reported that Iverson had been seen in this Chicago area Casino, I guess, late Friday night into Saturday. And then a few hours later, he was seen. People said that he was at the casino until as late as 3 a.m. the night before, which I assume is going into like early Saturday morning before he no showed in Dallas. Apparently, later that day, he was seen in the same kind of area at a restaurant wearing the same clothes that he had been uh, at the casino in. <laughs> so. Wait, the
2: casino uh, was in in Chicago, and the game was in Dallas.
1: Well, it was somewhere in Illinois, and I think it said that it was like a Chicago area casino. So, but the game was out, in Dallas. Yeah, maybe so they had a game in Illinois that I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they. I, no, I don't they know. Play like once a week, but I, think. <laughs> I don't. Man, I, Adam, this so this is something that I didn't know about, and and you had uh, in the Slack chat you'd uh, talked about. So. I knew that Iverson had money that was set aside. You said it was by Reebok that he can't access until I think he's fifty-five, but I didn't realize that he had an ongoing, like annual salary from Reebok that I guess he's going to blow by like the yep. time August when rolls he's, around.
0: When he's fifty-five, he gets to get into a trust fund worth thirty-two million, so that'll be in the year twenty-thirty. And as part of his lifetime deal with Reebok, they pay him $800,000 a year for life.
1: Which is just, I mean, it makes sense. I I get it, but my God, I, I wonder how long it's going to take him. How long do you think at a, at a casino, it'll take him to blow that money? Like does does he even make it to December or is it going to be gone by October and he's going to be bumming money for two months? I
2: don't know. This makes me sad so here's the well, particulars it's we had a post on this back in 2012 and this is from the new york post there was an excerpt at the time a person with a firm grip on the situation informs me iverson is an account worth 32 million principal. he is inherited uh he is prohibited from touching until 55. in the meantime it feeds him one million dollars annually i'm guessing just whatever the whatever dividend it's thrown off at 45 Iverson is eligible to start drawing on an NBA pension that maxes out at 10 years of active duty or take whatever whatever's there as a lump sum. He will be entitled to roughly $8,000 per month, $800 Times 10, I don't know how they get there. Uh, If at all possible, Iverson will issue a restraining order against himself until he's 62 or so. At that time, I'm told his lump sum will be somewhere between 1.5 and 1.8 million, or he can elect to take monthly checks of approximately 14,000 per. But right now, it looks like it's throwing off 1 million annually, which I'm guessing is just in the dividend uh, from whatever it's invested in. It's
1: just... It's mind blowing and it's sad because here we are. I don't well, I I don't have a a sheet in front of us, but within what, three days of each other, we have two former Philly athletes that I would say have seen. I don't want to create Alan Iverson missing a big three game
0: for being in a casino to Pete Rose, supposedly like sleeping with lower age teenagers. Like I know what you're doing, like I, I see that too, but Pete Rose is a disgusting piece of shit and Iverson like just doesn't know any better and can't get like healthy. You know what I mean? I'm saying
1: yeah, I'm saying that for Iverson it's not the missing the big three thing. It's the fact that he has devolved into what appears to be a degenerate gambler. He's always been a degenerate gambler. But like it's like I bet you he had a better average
0: on the Sixers when he was gambling the night before. Like he was always in the Borgata, or playing pool for money. Like that was always him.
2: Yeah, and people applaud Barkley for that sort of thing. So it's it's I don't know if I, Iverson makes a lot of money. Like he's if you're throwing off one million a year on top of everything, he he's fine to go gamble. Like I it it doesn't look no, like but he's, he's on really not
0: fine to gamble. But I also like. I agree, Russ. It is sad, and that's what I think you were going to say: is that it's sad yeah, to it's... see both of these guys.
2: Well, it seems I'm like we can't have an. I, I, I feel comedy. bad.
1: I feel bad for Alan. I don't feel bad for Pete Rose at all. I th- what what Pete Rose allegedly did is is so far past disgusting, and so far past immoral that, like the fact that he walks the streets free is is just mind blowing to me. And all it's right, a what, shame what, that there's a that there's a statute of limitations that prevent him from actually facing any kind of of jail time. I but, think it's
2: important. I'm not going to... I am not here to defend Pete Rose by any stretch. And uh, other than to say that uh, if if you would have said, here are 10 former Philly athletes, pick which one may have slept with an underage girl, I would have picked Pete Rose 10 times out of 10. He just has the look. Um, but there's some background on this story. First of all... This whole thing stems from actually something that happened on a Westchester radio station a few years ago where a former promoter, I don't even understand this world, but a former promoter who had a a beef to pick with Pete Rose went on the radio and absolutely trashed him. And he made the allegation that Pete Rose, when he would be in spring training, Clearwater and uh, other places would have this guy or someone this guy knew run underage girls for him and said, girls anywhere from 12 to 14 was this guy's allegation. It was kind of a, it was an an insane radio rant by a guy who I, I guess has made a, a career trying to make money and get attention off of slamming Pete Rose. Not to say that it's untrue. Pete Rose and his lawyers sued the guy for defamation for this, claiming this is absurd and, you know, he's just trying to smear Pete Rose. They have a long history together and, and yada, yada, yada. In that court case, in Pete Rose's lawsuit against this guy, in the discovery, they obtained this signed statement from an anonymous Jane Doe who says that she had a relationship with Pete Rose in Cincinnati and she was under the age of 16, which at the time was the legal age of consent in Ohio. Pete Rose has said that, yes, they dated, but he recalled, of course, the relationship being after she was 16 years old, which is still weird.
1: He was and married he was with, with two, two kids. kids. Married with two kids, you're 34 years old and you're engaged with a relationship with a kid with a child who is probably somewhere between 7th and ninth grade. That is reprehensible. The fact that he would even acknowledge like the fact that he acknowledged the fact that he to had be a fair, relationship she was
2: probably in, a junior in high school just to just no, actually correct 16 when did you turn 16 in 8th grade?
1: Yeah, my bad. I was thinking of the twelve to fourteen. The twelve, a slow the learner. No, it's it's, it's, not, it's the twelve to fourteen year olds getting I shipped, shipped out to him. Wants to be my teacher. All right, great. So the twelve to fourteen year olds getting shipped into him at spring training. That would be seventh to ninth grade. Yeah, sixteen's probably probably if that sixteen, was. Was 16 year. is sophomore, still, yeah. sophomore, sophomore, sophomore yes. junior. It's still disgusting. Yeah,
0: sixteen is still young and disgusting. I don't even care that he was married. Like a lot of people are like, yeah, like I get it. Like the morality of it all. Like having. A, having a wife and two kids, but like, if your excuse was, I thought she was 16, like...
2: Yeah, it's not a good good leg to stand on.
0: Like, oh dude, I definitely thought she would have had her driver's permit. Like, look, we are grown men. You guys are, are, like we're all in our upper 20s, lower 30s. And when I go out, which you guys don't do, and I see people that are 21, I feel so old. And this guy is three years, he was three years older than I was, and he was talking to 16 year olds. I mean, this is, look, I'm gonna be honest, and this has nothing to do with what he's accused of and all that stuff. I have interviewed Pete Rose twice uh, for a company where it was like a 45 minute thing where I sit down and I, I interview him in front of all these people and they get to ask questions too. And you kind of get a good sense of the person that they are. So I was actually with him for like three hours because there was like an hour of drinking, then there's like an hour of interviewing, and then there's like an hour of eating. And I came away both times going, he is the biggest piece of trash that I've met in my life. And both times I found him to be like insanely still filled with ego, um, I found him to be like really mean spirited. Uh, he was willing to just like talk trash on everyone. Like the way he talks about his son is like, almost like, like he told a story, which was I'll never forget. My son called me when he was in the minor leagues and he was on an O for 18 batting slump. And he called me up asking for fatherly advice. And I told him to go call somebody else because I don't know what it's like to be in a batting slump. And everyone like clapped and I might now, this is the part as an interviewer where you want to ask like a question, but you can't cause you're there to celebrate the guy. But I wanted to be like, man, so like who taught you to be a father? Like that's crazy. Um, he was, he's, I don't understand why people are willing to overlook who he is as a person because the amount of hits he had or quote how he played the game. Um, i i just think he's a piece of trash and this confirms it and now look the phillies have him going on their wall of fame in like two weeks i don't do it i cancel it um and i try and find some other guys to do it for you're obviously not going to have someone to put on the wall of fame but i'm not going through with this not with this stuff being fresh that's just my
2: take Ooh, what's interesting here, and by the way, I did not want to come across as I was trying to defend Pete Rose in any capacity. Before you you did
0: to... not come off like that at all.
2: Okay, because Russ Russ had just said he should be behind bars, and I just wanted to point out that like there was you know legality. It's going to be very tough to prove this on him. Yeah, there's Even still. Yeah, it's not, it's not
1: proving it. It's not proving it at all because it's past the statute of limitations. Like he, he won't face charges. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the Phillies are
2: in a bad spot um, because if I think it was a year or two ago when what Mike Lieberthal entered where everyone was like, all right, look, we've gone we've for alumni weekend. They do this every year. We've reached the level of Mike Lieberthal on this list. Maybe it's time to put Pete Rose in. So uh, when you setting aside the girl thing for a minute, which no one really had heard about until a couple of years ago when those allegations came out. I've always been, and I think most people are in the camp of, this guy's a dirtbag, he's a scumbag, he looks like a scumbag. And it's, you've, you've been around him, and clearly you got that vibe off him as well. The gambling thing, the, him being a dirtball, like, there's a lot of dirtballs in the Hall of Fame. So I think people's uh, whatever has always been like, look, this guy was a flawed individual, he gambled, but it, yeah. part of a Hall of Fame is like not just Ty honoring Cobb people. Ty Cobb is the but, biggest asshole exactly, ever. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But this, this I think crosses a line into weirdly disgusting, illegal, immoral sort of thing. Where uh, it's it's interesting to me because if the Phillies cut him from the from the Wall of Fame induction, that is pretty much going to sever. He had a door ajar back in the Major League Baseball, and each year Rob Manfred has you know kind of been nudging it open just a little bit further, and the the game is slowly reembracing Pete Rose. If one of his own teams who's about to honor him decides that he is just too much of a um, disgusting human being for them to attach their names to. This could pretty much mark the end of whatever redemption tour Pete Rose thought he had. He's also in town for the Philly Sports Roast, and he's the guest of honor, which was actually is a pretty big Is that still get. going on, too? Yeah, so they started with Tio a few years ago. Then they had the Lenny and Mitch thing, which was a beautiful train wreck. And then last year they went back to Angelo Cataldi, and I kind of figured— I I got the sense they weren't really profiting off the other guys I had done some promotion work with them a friend of mine is is helping produce and promote the show this year but they got Pete Rose and it's like hey they got a name this thing is still going on and they actually got someone who's fairly notable. Well, I now don't we know. we have a
0: lot more material to roast them with.
2: Well, uh, yeah, that was my first thought. Like, man, this is gonna yeah, how does be how vicious. does how does
0: pedophilia comedy go over in this town? We'll find out.
2: I, uh, we are with the crowd that would will be on hand for that. I suspect they wouldn't care. Um, but yeah, first I mean, joke. I first
0: joke should be from uh, who's the guy that does the Angelo Show? The voices,
2: Conklin. It's Con- his name. Conklin. Yeah. Conklin
0: should call over a waitress and be like, "Pete, isn't she beautiful?" Nah, you're right. About twelve years too old for you. And then just I, get going right from there.
2: I had another one. Uh, Pete, they said Pete Rose could hit anything, even if it was, uh, even if it had a curfew and had to be home by nine.
1: Ooh, yeah, Russ, I, you got a, you got a joke? You got one? No, no, I hate all this.
2: <laughs> I, I imagine you do. The point is, I don't know if still going to have. I
1: don't no, know. If I know. I know it's Rose, No, I, I know it's just.
2: And if they do, it's going to be – I kind of want to go now because it's going to be a – it's going to be uh, brutal.
0: Yeah, I'm all for roasting him because I think he deserves to be embarrassed on the stage. I am not down for him driving a convertible around Citizens Bank Park waving to all of the young girls that may be in attendance with their fathers.
1: The only way that would be nice is if if it's like like, uh, something that Kyle won't get – Cersei Lannister's walk of shame a, a season ago where uh, the yeah, fanatic not, is yeah, ca- yeah. the fanatic carries a bell and Spoiler and uh, alert. The, the the liberty bell starts ringing and people start yelling shame at him as he uh, rolls around in that convertible, that'd be fine. Russ, that would be
0: amazing. That would be amazing, actually. Kyle, it's not a spoiler alert when it's from two years ago. And by the way, I'm so done with people being upset with spoilers. Like, you didn't watch the show. That's on you. I don't care. But back to Pete Rose. So where do we stand? I'm on Philly Should Not Do It. Kyle, where are you?
2: Yeah, Phil's got it. Phil's a super conservative organization. They're going to cup bait.
1: Russ. Let me let me play not devil's advocate, but hmm. the um the concept that any time an allegation gets brought against somebody, and then whoever the organization is that's supposed to honor a commitment, they bail because of an allegation, but it's it hasn't been proven. Like that is NFL something. Now listen, listen. That's something I typically like. That that I usually stand up and say, like, all right. Well, if there's no proof, then maybe you should think about going through with it. He admitted he had a relationship with a 16-year-old girl when he was 34 with kids and a wife. He's a scumbag. No. Sorry. There's Russ.
0: Oh, yeah. To the NFL draft thing. Remember, I wanted the Eagles to take Gary and Conley. He has just been cleared of any wrongdoing and is now practicing with the Oakland Raiders. I agree with that. Kyle, I was thinking about that yesterday, about, um, you know, like, look, he hasn't been, it's only an accusation, all that stuff, and then Russ brought up that info, which is completely the truth. Um, my thing is that I already felt weird about Pete Rose going in. Like Pete Rose going in, it's like he deserves it, but this already feels weird. And then to add this on top of it, it felt like insurmountable.
1: I'm surprised that Fox Sports hasn't released a statement that he's been fired. Like I, I was just looking for it, and oh. even in the FoxSports.com article, which yeah, there's actually an article. Not a video on Fox Sports website. Mm. Um, there, there is nothing about Pete Rose and, I, and, and so Fox I was, ties.
0: I was watching Philly Sports Talk yesterday because I thought there was a Phillies game at seven, not realizing it was at ten, and that it like if you watch the Phillies game last night to watch the Phillies be like in it until the seventh or eighth inning and then lose that just stinks. Aaron Nola, you're the man, dude. Sorry, you have no run support, but john clark was talking about how they should put out um this to a vote to the fans absolutely not like uh like the the fan vote is the worst way of making decisions the phillies need to sit there and figure it out and they will come up with a decision but i think the worst solution is a fan vote
2: wait he wanted to put the pete rose decision out to a public vote
0: his thing was they went to a public vote to pick Pete Rose as the guy. Then they could, they should also put this out to a fan vote to see if it wants, if he Ugh. should still go in.
2: John. I like John. That is, that is a horrific idea. <laughs> that- the, the difference between the NFL draft or Fox firing him is that there is a reasonable chance there is some bullshit in these allegations. Not that he did admit to sleep a 16 year old girl, but however, that was legal at the time. As weird as we think that is, it was legal. As long as
1: it only happened in Ohio, which yeah, she claimed I, it it wasn't. She claimed that he had her uh, meet him across state lines, I, which it wouldn't be legal in those states. Correct. He...
2: I'm sure he pulled the old Wade Boggs and flew the mistress in. That was, I think, that was a big Boggs move. That that woman presumably was of age. But the point is, legal, legality, as far as we have proven so far, is that you know, like, if you're Fox and you fire him, or if you're an NFL team and you don't pick someone like that is different because you are paying them for a job, and there are legal reasons, or just in the case of the NFL, like out and out moral and publicity reasons you don't want. The Phillies honoring a guy, there's nothing attached to that. They don't need any justification to be like, no, we're not honoring you. The bar for canceling a Wall of Fame event is different than the bar for firing someone. If if these turn out to be complete bullshit and Fox fires him, he he might have a little bit of a case against Fox, depending on the reasoning they give him. The Phillies cutting bait on a Wall of Fame should be a no-brainer, especially for that team.
1: I mean, if it's the Oakland
2: Raiders, I would assume they would have actually added a second night uh, an encore event if for a Pete Rose, but uh, if it's the Phillies, they cut bait.
0: Yeah, the only thing is is that Pete probably set up a few events to get signing stuff and memorabilia, and he might be able to say that there's lost funds. But then again, knowing Pete, he might also just set up shop anyway and still have people coming by and asking for signatures. But, He's right, going to park we'll all, himself
2: we've... next to the sax guy outside Citizens Bank Park and just set up a table and sign stuff for 20 bucks a pop.
0: That's uh man, he's gross. Um, all right, so there was uh we're still in the in the midst of Eagles training camp right now. Uh the offense looks amazing, the secondary looks like shit. That's like every story I read right now. Uh I mean they're talking about Patrick Robinson, like he might not even make the team, which, you know, is all fine and dandy to be like, oh yeah. But when you look at their corners and realize that it's Ron Brooks, Jalen Mills, and then I don't even know like Aaron Grimes and Nathan Jerry and Rasul Douglas. Like they're, they're in serious trouble. And, uh, rush, you asked me a question about the Wendell Smallwood thing. What was that again?
1: So Wendell Smallwood came out and said that he thinks that the reason that his, uh, his place suffered last year is because he was out of shape. And so the question I had asked you in Slack was, um, How common is it? Is it more common for athletes to show up to training camp or to show up to their, their teams, you know, uh, off season activities out of shape than somebody like me might expect? So
0: remember that he was a rookie last year and they always talk about how it's like this nonstop action for rookies that they'll never have to see again. So what happens is, is Wendell Smallwood plays for West Virginia and then he immediately goes into either some of those bowl games, whether they're eligible for the senior bowl or whatever it is and all that stuff. And then they go to some workout guru who works on their 40 and their three cone and their split shuffle and all that stuff. And then right from there, they go to a rookie camp and then they have like one week off and then they're back for like OTAs and all that stuff. So one, they're, they're, they're not even working out the right way for like five months because they're only working on like track drills, 40-yard dashes, vertical jumps, stuff like that. Two, they have no idea how to train their bodies for an NFL season, uh, when to rest, what exercises to actually do, when to work out during the week knowing that on Sundays you're going to have to go. And three, none of them realize, they really don't, how much bigger and faster all the athletes are in the NFL and why they need to really put on 15 pounds. Like Ty Montgomery put on 15 pounds uh, this offseason for the Packers because he didn't realize what it was going to be like to be a running back. So...
2: These Part guys, of that his sickle cell thing. Didn't he have a weird sickle cell thing Did that that I'm not sure weight? on that.
0: Well, the the truth thing is people don't realize. Like, you come into the season at like 270. Like, let's say Jadavion Clowney comes in at 270. I was I interviewed him on Monday. He played most of the year at 253. Like, you naturally lose so much weight that when you see guys come in they look fit and like really thin, man, they're they're in for a long season. Because you kind of want to be a little bit bulked up just to handle it all, but I actually took him saying I had no, I wasn't ready last year or I wasn't in shape, as a huge confidence boost. Like I watched the interview and I was like, his neck looks different. Um, I think you know you expect rookies to not get it. I feel the same way about Carson Wentz. I feel the same way about a number of the rookies that were on the team last year, um, I I, I actually was like, oh, this is great. Because if he was like, oh, yeah, I feel fine just like last year. Mm -mm. So I I think there's a huge
2: learning curve for these guys. It sounds like what you're describing. I've always, this not football. I always thought the same about Chase Utley. He used to come in, if you looked at him on opening day, he's a thin guy to begin with, but he would be bulked up on opening day and you'd see like, you'd see it in his legs in his shoulders. And then you looked at October chase Utley and he looked like his uniform was hanging off of a clothes hanger. Um, Same principle, different sport. That's all I got.
0: Yeah. That's my thing with Derek Barnett was I think Derek Barnett is still chubby. And so everyone that's like, man, Derek Barnett's we need to have him have a big year. No man. Like it's just not going to happen. Like, oh, and let me take that back. It could happen. I just think that being in game shape is such a different change that I I don't see it happening right away. I just think it's too much physically on these guys. They don't realize it. Russ, I hope that added any clarification
2: for you.
1: It certainly did.
2: Yeah, that was that was an excellent answer. That
1: was an excellently thorough answer. That was worth the day's worth of uh, anticipation.
0: Good. Yeah, well, that's the, That's the thing is, like, the more I'm with uh, Sims, the more we interview athletes, and you begin to realize, like, how much machines they are and the food they eat and the workouts they do that the ones that are, like, the super weirdos, like, the super alpha, like, OCDs, they're the ones that succeed, and... Um, you know, the ones that are a little bit more loose um, and, and the ones that are like, you know, you can't cram for that test. It's not yeah. possible. Yeah. You need to be a crazy lifestyle person. Uh,
2: Should we do some questions?
0: Yeah. Do you have any Twitter questions?
2: I do. I got. Yeah, there's a few from this morning. This one. guys. Comes... Our
0: show is so on time today. It's incredible.
2: It's tight, too. Tight. tight. It's um, well done. This one comes from a guy, Pierre Escargot is his handle name. And his question really Shout out to Keenan and
0: Kel. He... Oh, that's right. Yeah, Pierre Escargot was the Keenan character, the French man that would eat things in a bathtub.
1: Everybody out there go, boy, to that. tell your homeboys and homegirls, it's not for Keenan and Kel.
2: Sorry. His question is not outraging me. Who killed Roger Rabbit? He bungled this question so badly. Because you know, the question is not who killed Roger Rabbit, it's right? Who framed Roger Rabbit? Thank yeah. you, thank you. So I'm then very I'm going to say in that Mr. Pierre, I'm going to say that
0: Pierre R. Scargot him. is now our number one uh, suspect. It's kind of like Ooh. someone's like, "Hey, who framed Roger Rabbit?" If he comes and goes, who killed Roger Rabbit? And then as a detective, Ooh. you go, "Who said Roger Rabbit was killed?" So yeah, Roger we Rabbit didn't know said, Roger Whoa. Rabbit. We didn't know he, dead he was dead
2: in a killed. box somewhere. Yeah, someone dipped him in that vat that they dipped uh, the uh, the professor, the judge in. Judge oh, remember Doom.
1: when they ran him over with the uh, the, the, the steamroller? The, yeah, the steamroller. Oh, that oh, that, that is got, such like, a peeled cinem- off
2: that. Oh. Cinemagraphic, uh, masterpiece that
1: movie. That's a great movie. It, it is, is. But
0: if you showed it to a kid now, they'd be like, "Why do these graphics suck?"
2: Yeah, it was ahead. I, of its, I, like, I like, like the Fair the, the, point. the guy's playing with the cartoon. He's in handcuffs with the cartoon. Way ahead of its time. That movie, groundbreaking. When they go into Toontown, town, I lose my shit. Um, there's a couple of others here uh, that were pretty good. I thought. Uh, I could be wrong. Someone said they got hell depression, They liked it. I don't know what. I
1: put it. a few. Uh, I I put a question out last night. I got a, a couple that were go pretty ahead. decent. Um, one of the questions was uh, somebody asked about our quality and about the fact that we live in three different areas and how we're going to make our quality better. And I said, if you don't think our quality has gotten better, go back and listen to the Josh Ennis interview, and then come back to me. Um, there was. Yeah, I
2: actually think the last have you guys noticed the levels i would be interested to get feedback on this on the levels on the last few shows i've started doing something different um i think we're all recording directly we're having local versions of our recordings uploaded so we all should be clear the echoing and background noise on adam's end has has gotten better uh certainly since a month ago wait, like hey, you're good rust is clear the only thing i've been doing different i used to add dynamic compression so there weren't like loud spikes occasionally my mic was louder uh, we've kind of gotten to a place with the mics where our levels are pretty good but uh, on the back end so i haven't been adding compression and i've noticed the last couple shows that russ your your track always seems low and i, I try and turn it up and match them all like in terms of volume but i would be interested to know for people listening in their cars like i notice in my headphones when i listen back that it sounds good but in my car where the speakers are better i notice differences in each level so i'd be interested to know if people are like hey i'm listening kyle and adam are good and now russ is talking and i have to turn it up and which is a pain in the ass so let me know how the levels are on each track but i think we have gotten much clearer and cleaner and i actually think this one's going to sound pretty good because all of our levels seem to be pretty pretty on on target
1: I thought I had a couple spikes last episode, but the, the one disappointment was the fact that when we had our moment, I think it was last episode when New York City was not cooperating. And we had the moment of silence, thinking that you would hear the truck uh, driving away. That it didn't come across. That was a little uh. bit of a bummer because it was just so good when we recorded. Um, another question that somebody had sent was um, with the cl- it was Joe Fed- uh, Fedorowicz. With declining NFL viewership year over year, what do you think they do to gain viewers besides selling streaming rights? That was a question.
2: Um, the, the, the viewership, I think, bounced back. Pre- I don't know what the, the end number was. I have to pull it up. But I'm pretty sure it bounced back pretty well after the election. So I, I do think there was something to that criticism. Um, I, the NFL has a long way to go before they have a viewership problem, I think. Better Monday night games would help, honestly. I like ESPN. It just seems like they've gotten the shaft the last couple of years in terms of games. The Thursday night games Thursday nights have been terrible. Sunday nights. I mean, Sunday nights. It always seems like Al Michaels is handed the. I mean, obviously he's getting the game of the week, but it seems like they are handed gifts every week in terms of what goes on in the game, the entertainment value. There were a few massive blowouts, I think, early last year, which also didn't help them, but. Generally speaking, Sundays are fine. I think they need to get somehow get yeah, better Yeah, and money they in get flex. Obviously.
0: And at the end of yes. the year, they yeah. get to flex whichever games they won. And your creepy ass always loves their opening song. Big, did love you guys for see? And, your love for
1: Carrie Underwood knows no bounds. Did
2: it you guys is, see the slightly, screen, uh, screenshot so, from the new song? Yes, the new red yes. dress.
1: <sighs> I'm sure that was really exciting. No, I didn't. By the way, by the way, Kyle, I not,
0: who cares.
1: I was watching my, my son's favorite show, Ooh, American Ninja Warrior, Sunday and Casey, Ketten, Casey Catanzaro was on, and I thought of you because you were, you were so big on Casey a few weeks ago, and now, uh, now nothing. Um, I so tried to watch guys, that show. So WIP,
0: WIP has Carson Wentz on this morning, and All 97.5 right. has Adam Schefter on this morning.
2: Okay. Tough counter-programming.
1: Yeah, it's gonna, we'll see We'll see who wins in the book. Uh, there's two other ones. I'm going to combine them. Uh, BJ Harahan and Tim Farrow. Uh, is Klintak on the right path? Can the Birds go anywhere with this secondary? Is the Union a real thing? And what young players or clubs can we look forward to for the Phillies and Union the rest of the season? Yeah, that's right. Two people asked about the Union.
2: Um, I don't know if Klintak is on the right path.
1: I want to i want to
2: say that he is and i want to say that he deserves the treatment we all gave sam hanky but i think hanky was very obviously a beautiful mind from the get-go he was just uniquely different in a way that intelligent people could really see what the the logic behind what he was trying to do Matt Klintak came in as hailed as one of these newfangled progressive guys, which really isn't that progressive anymore in baseball. Most GMs are very analytical minded now and realize they need to embrace that. So I think the Phillies have just been playing catch up and Klintak may be a smart guy, but nothing he has done thus far has been so cunning or um, they haven't brought in a player who was like, wow, they got this guy off the scrap heap and he's contributing. He hasn't done anything to prove his merit, so I I'd say the jury is very much out on Matt Klintak. As much as I want to think that he knows what he's doing, yeah. Burns and then after works. this
0: trade deadline, I'm just kind of sitting around going, "Yeah, I'm glad you traded," but I don't know if I'm going to see any of these guys come up. So the jury is definitely out with him.
1: That's fair. Rush, yeah, I mean, it's, talk, it's
0: U- talk union. Russ, talk union for ten seconds. Go.
1: I don't think the union are going to call anybody of. Of value up I think it's a shame they actually were just connected with a guy uh, who is on loan from Olympiacos into the Australian League and now somehow that's supposed to get me excited as a Union fan for the rest of their lost season they're pretty much too far out of playoff contention to make it um, I was listening to it's always soccer in Philly which is the Kevin Kincaid podcast and he and Dave Zeitlin were were trying to map out the rest of the season which I'm not going to do But they almost gave zero losses to the team. And if anything, the Union typically finished seasons pretty poorly. Last year, they went on, I think, a a pretty long winless streak and limped into the playoffs where they got blown out by Toronto. Like, it's not going to happen this year. What they should be doing right now is calling up a guy who played for the the U-20 national team, Derek Jones. He's the real deal. He's a really good defensive midfielder. He should be getting time. He's part of their system, part of their academy. Um, There's a Philadelphia not,
0: Union podcast.
1: Yep. Is there and a Philadelphia so, uh, Soul podcast? I don't know if there. You know what? I'll look for it after today. You know, guys, that, you, would, that, that, could ch- be, that, that would be a sitting be, in a
2: dark room yelling about that'd the that'd
1: Soul. Be really fascinating. Ron Jaworski is uh, the guests uh, the uh, guest host every and week. coming up
0: tonight, maybe tomorrow. Uh, I th- do you guys do good Jaworski impressions?
2: No. Uh, no, I didn't even. I didn't even know that was. Oh, be a thing. his
0: his his dynamic pantameter is incredible.
1: Who um, uses a so pantameter I, on the show. I don't it's
2: know. impressive.
1: Um but the union aren't going to call anybody young up, which sucks because they should be. They have they have guys that they're not going to bring back like Hilsino and Alberg. They should be bringing young guys up. And the Phillies, I'm not sure about. We we kind of touched on this, I think, on Monday and last Friday. They have a few guys in the minors who could come up. Um, as call-ups and probably make uh, at least a little bit of a difference. I'd really like to see what JP Crawford has to offer later in the season. I know that we don't necessarily agree on that, but well, it's tough. He's playing Freddie well Galvis now and is playing amazing. But the thing is, like, is Freddie Galvis really a guy that you think is going to be on this team and that you're going to build around? No, for the so next, then why the next... not
0: bring JP to start next season?
1: That's that's like, kind of my this? point. But I... well, because if Galvis could end up moving to a different infield spot it's not it's not that bad. Or if Galvis is going to become your utility guy to fill in at any of the infield spots, like, I'm cool with that. But I'm not so sure that they are. It's
0: hard game planning for a team that's so far away. It really is. Yep. Um, Alright, I think that's it. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening as always. Please get into those iTunes reviews and leave us a five-star review and comment. We are up to 221 five-star reviews, which is pretty good for three losers recording before 7 a.m. every day. Can uh, I uh, can
1: I give a shout out really Friday. quick? Yeah. Sorry that I. Uh, three years ago, I married the uh, love of my life. It's our anniversary today. So hey,
2: congratulations.
1: Yeah, thanks. Hard that to believe is, that, that is she uh, really heartfelt. Hard hard to believe that she made that mistake three years ago, and she's still. Uh, She's still stuck with me. It's it's kind of nice.
0: What are you going to do for her
1: tonight? Um, I'm probably going to end up having... Well, see, she's going to listen to the podcast. So I don't want to spoil it. Edible
0: underwear. No. Ew,
1: what? No. Uh, no. I, I she's think... Going, I she's think going, she's what was she's she's that? To, He's Kyle, don't,
0: a, Kyle, don't you have a promotional code for that?
1: Uh, oh, no. You could make it... Uh, what's the food company Hello that you... HelloFresh uh, sells Hello? edible underwear. <laughs> oh, no. Hello HelloFresh. Now no. I think and that's I'll actually what up- you should
0: say when she walks in the room and you're wearing them. Go hello, fresh.
2: <laughs> I, I do not have. Yes. No. Uh, it's so, He's going to make her so listen bad. to this podcast and watch it. Watch a replay of a union match.
1: No stop. I don't I don't I don't make her suffer He's going gotta
2: tell her about the guy from the U twenty league who transferred from Australia who okay. transferred now, from see you're combining stuff. You're the worst. And now it's it impossible now. to understand. as humanly possible. Uh, hit us up.
0: Hit us up either in the iTunes reviews or send it to at Crossing Broad what you think Russ is doing for his three year anniversary tonight. What is the perfect Russell Joy date? This is amazing. I'm so excited. And we will read them on Friday's episode.
1: Sounds good. I'm very excited for this.
0: Uh, And I want to applaud all of us. I think this is the first time where we did not um, interrupt each other the entire episode. I think we were all very patient.
2: Yeah, we had topics. We had topics, which helped. (laughs) There it is. There it is.
0: All right. Have a good day, everybody. (laughs) We'll see you on Friday.